I'm going to tease my former boss, David Wood, here for a second, because one of his go-to phrases was no-brainer. Well, now I'm going to use it because working with the company we're talking about today seems like a no-brainer. Merchant Cost Consulting looks at what you're paying in credit card fees, finds where you can save money, and negotiates on your behalf. And by credit card fees, I mean your credit card processing fees. They've already been working with several companies in the hot tub industry, names you would definitely recognize in these parts, and the savings are phenomenal. We'll see if we can get some of those retailers to spill the beans for an article down the road, but for now, here's Matt Ray from MCC. This is the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk retail, business, and all things related to the hot tub industry. I'm your host, Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. This episode is brought to you by Strong Spas. Today on the Spa Retailer Podcast, I have Matt Ray. He is a partner at Merchant Cost Consulting. And so this is a little bit of a departure for the normal kinds of companies that we've had on the podcast recently, but I'm excited because it's something I don't know a whole lot about, and I think it can be really beneficial to retailers. So, hey, Matt, thanks for coming on today. Megan, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So where are you calling us? Where are you calling us from? Where I'm actually out of Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. So I was born and raised here, and that's actually where the company stands as well. Okay. All right. Great. So born and raised in in the Boston area. Where did you Where did you go to school? And kind of what's what's your background look like? Yeah. So I graduated from a small business school in Rhode Island, actually, a school called Bryant University. Okay. Um, if we have any college basketball fans, they actually made their first March Madness tournament this past season, which go dogs in that case, but we, uh, small business school. I actually graduated with a degree in supply chain and how I really got into the industry I'm in today was after graduating, I didn't want to go into the major that I was studying, which I feel like happens to a lot of people. And a friend of mine was working at a merchant service company in the city of Boston, had no idea what merchant services was or is, didn't know anything about credit card processing, but it was a sales job. So I took it. And from there, this was back in 2016. And at that point, I really learned the ins and outs of the credit card processing industry, how it worked, how it integrated different industries that were accepting payments. And from there, I know we'll get a little far ahead of ourselves, but that was really when it was eye-opening that there was a problem with the credit card processing industry itself. And that's kind of how merchant cost consulting came about, which we can get into more detail, but that's kind of a short bio and background of myself. Okay. So getting a degree in supply chain is kind of fascinating to me, even though you didn't want to end up doing that as your career. Like those are the kind of, those are the kind of degrees that I don't think I knew existed when I went to school. Like, <laughs> like who knew yeah. that you could get a degree in supply chain or get a degree with a focus on manufacturing or all of these things. And like, what a, what a timely degree to have, have these days in supply chain. Cause I feel like that's all we talk about anymore. 
I know it's funny. I mean, you go to all these conferences and everyone's just talking about the supply chain shortages and all the stuff that's going on. And it's funny because I didn't know a supply chain degree existed until probably my junior year of college as well. So I was in a similar position, but it was something that when I started looking at it more, I really liked the management and operations aspect of business. And I really wanted to hone in on something more specific than just having a general degree at that Mm -hmm. point in time. And supply chain was really interesting because you got to learn the whole thing about logistics, but you also got to learn about procurement, you know, strategic planning and buying all that stuff. And it was cool. It definitely was. I just think that actually my minor was entrepreneurship. So I think that was more of a passion for me was whatever I was going to do. It was hopefully going to be like starting my own thing or whatever it may be. And that's kind of how it turned out. But supply chain was super interesting. I don't have as much skill set as I used to in the whole degree itself. But yeah, I I did like it when I was learning at the time. Yeah, it's got to be. And I feel like the last couple of years, it's got to be like probably everything you learned in school is now front and center in the newspaper every single day. (laughs) 100%. Yeah, you're probably like, it's probably like, you know, one giant case study, you know, that, that has actually come to fruition. So that's, it's, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. But I love that you're, you're also got a degree in entrepreneurship because because yeah, I mean, for our audience, that is not a lot of us got degrees in being entrepreneurs, but you know, here we all are, right? Sure. Yep. Absolutely. You said you you started working with a friend in sales in merchant services and and you kind of started to see some of the problems with that industry. What were some of the things that you were seeing that you thought you could come up with a solution for? The biggest issue I saw working there was, and this is actually why the industry itself has a black eye, but it it's pretty deceptive, right? How merchant service representatives and companies for that matter get compensated is the higher that they can set their credit card processing rates on a business, the more money goes into their pocket, right? Pretty straightforward. But the thing that's crazy is that there's so many different rates and fees when it comes to credit card processing that a lot of people really don't understand. And you really shouldn't because as a business owner, you have a thousand things to do on a daily basis. This is obviously one area of expense that if you are a business accepting credit cards, that is a focus point, but you just have too much going on to really understand it. And because it's super confusing, a lot of people get discouraged and don't really find the time to go through it with a fine tooth comb and look at it. Right. So the biggest problem we saw was, you know, as you're helping businesses accept credit card payments, probably, you know, three to four times a year, rate increases would happen, meaning like the rates I set up a business would get jacked up and it wouldn't be myself doing it. It's the company, right? Mm -hmm. Or they're adding additional costs. They're padding the rates in some type of form, surcharging the pricing. And these, all these modifications that were happening, I was getting phone calls being like, Matt, you know, why is this happening to my account? You said it was supposed to be this. And then now it's that. And I'm like, I don't have an explanation for you because at that point, you know, you're just a number working for a large corporate company. They don't tell you all this stuff. And it was tough because like as an ethical person, you're you're thinking like, well, geez, am I working for, am I working for the right company? Like I didn't right. know that this was part of it because you don't go to school and get a degree in credit card processing. So funny story where at the Christmas party and, you know, had a couple of cocktails and we're talking about it because everyone's dealing with the same issues. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends had came up and was like, well, why don't we leverage the knowledge that we have now 
to help businesses, one, understand how the pricing works, but two, help negotiate deals on their behalf without the headache of them having to go through the change process of switching providers. And, you know, that will stop them from being solicited because they'll at least have fair market value pricing. And what I mean by that is like, we could, we knew how the pricing worked and how low these companies could go as far as rates and fees. Right. And to help a business owner who doesn't have the time to do that stuff and negotiate the contract on their behalf was kind of the bright idea of like, well, let's leverage the knowledge and help businesses do it take it off their plate and then the model of sharing the savings came about just by doing a quick research of you know cost reduction models that are out there and that's really how mcc started and where the pain point was that made the light bulb go off was merchants getting taken advantage of by these big corporate companies you know we wanted to fight for the little man in that case and we wanted to shed some transparency and some light to the industry that was super deceptive at the time just because no one knew anything about it. No one really knew how to understand it. And that, that was the goal. Right. Really. So it, it, this is kind of a timely conversation because we, in the recent, like in the last couple of months, switched our processor and it was a sure. nightmare. Yeah. It was a nightmare. It was one of the like most frustrating things I feel like I've ever had to set up in our, in the business was changing our credit card processor. And it was like, why is this so complicated? And filling out the forms, like literally the company we switched to, or the people who helped us set it up had to get on the phone with me and walk me through how to fill out the form because I could not understand it. And it's not like this was an unusual thing. That's what they do for all their clients because no one can understand these things. And you would choose like, you know, you'd have a drop down menu and you'd pick this thing. Well, and they'd be like, okay, so that's what you do, but you can't say that because then they'll think that you actually do this. And I'm like, why is this so difficult? It was the worst. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty poor experience, no matter how you chop it up. And, you know, the other thing too, is like, they try to make it simple, you know, to get into the weeds a little bit. Like you have the squares, the PayPal's, yes. the QuickBooks, and that's what we switched. World, that's right? what we switched from was, was from one of those. Cause that, and that was real easy to set up. Right. <laughs> right. And that's, so that was all, that's also another reason why those companies now exist is because mm -hmm. the legacy credit card processing companies that are out there, it's obviously super difficult to understand it all. Right. Yeah. Those companies that I just mentioned, they come into the market and say, we're going to make it super simple, super easy for business owners to sign up with us. And we're going to have a pricing structure where, it's fixed and it's basically one or two fees and that's it. But what a lot of businesses don't understand is that if you peel back the layers right. of the rate that yeah. those companies I mentioned are charging you, there's a lot of complexity to it. And that's basically yes. what my firm does is, you know, we look at it based on the metrics of your business, the transaction size, sales volume, all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. We say, okay, we know you're being charged X, but if we peel back the layers, you really should be charged Y. And right. the companies like Square, PayPal, the world, they make so much money, but to the business owner, it's super easy. Like, oh, I know I'm paying 2.9% plus 30 cents every time I take a card. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And that's yeah. all I have to worry about. Mm -hmm. And they realize that by doing that, it's an easier sales process for them to actually gain more business, which is true. It is because then you don't have to go into all the different things that you're talking about of like, well, what's this fee? What's that fee? What does this right. apply to? Yeah. And, you know, we're there to bring transparency of like what all those fees mean, but also get you a really good deal where yeah. it's like, you're not paying the 2.9% 30, you know? 
and that's the thing. It's like, once I started, um, looking into it and talking to some people, it was like, yeah, getting set up a square was really easy. And it doesn't seem like, oh, that doesn't seem like a battery, like 30 cents, you know, 2.9, whatever it was, it was like, oh, that seems fine. But then, yeah, once you started digging into the numbers, it's like that actually ended up being a lot more than it needed to be. And so you're kind of like paying some added costs just for the simplicity of not having to do the rest of the stuff that goes along with setting up an account. hundred percent. Yep. That's exactly what it comes out to be. And I mean, for the record, not all those companies are bad, obviously. Like, yeah. you know, if you're a business and you know, let's just say you're a retail company, you're doing $10,000 a month or less in sales every month. Mm-hmm. Square is probably a good option, right? Because there's no additional monthly fees or anything right. like that. But as you grow, you do outgrow those types of companies. And that's where the savings opportunities really affects the business. Right. And so when you look at hot tub retailers, like, you know, if you talk about $10,000 or less, you know, that's not even one transaction for them, right? If someone puts one hot tub on their credit card, they've already like gone over that. And so if they put, and probably most of them are seeing, you know, two or three people a month put a hot tub on their credit card. And so that's a whole, you know, these are, these are very large transactions. They're not small for the most part. I mean, I'm sure people are coming in and buying, you know, hundred dollars worth of chemicals for on their credit card, but you talk about their major purchases and what their, you know, main selling focus is, which is the spas. Yeah. Those are some pretty, pretty big numbers that you want to make sure you're not losing an, a, a giant percentage on that you don't need to be. hundred percent. And I know, you know, this isn't for every retailer that's out there, but a lot of the retailers, I'm sure also have a service side to the business where you're either right. servicing the hot tub that you sold or even pools or whatever, in addition to the supplies. And it's easier as the business to just take a credit card and then bill it every month, especially mm-hmm. from a servicing standpoint. Um, and that again, is it's like, you're right. One hot tub exceeds the threshold that you really need to use some of these smaller type credit card processing companies. And when you look at the bill, it's probably one of the largest expenses that, you know, pool and spa retailers incur Mm -hmm. other than inventory, if I had to guess, or even uh, payroll, you know, it's up there as one of the top, you know, one to three. And um, yeah, it, it goes overlooked a lot of the time. And again, that's, that is another reason why we exist because the savings are also so important and relevant to a lot of these retailers out there as well. Can you give us an example of, I mean, I know that you already work with some hot tub retailers, so I, you know, you don't have to give us exact, an exact example, but what would it look like if you started working with a hot tub retailer and tried to help them save on their, save on their costs, their credit card costs? Sure. So I'll give you a real life example. I won't name anyone in particular okay, or perfect. the company, but you know, I mean, you, I mean, you could, I don't know if they would, I don't know if they'd appreciate that. But. <laughs> This person probably wouldn't care either way, but just for, for the sake of the podcast, we'll leave yeah. out. but this is actually a, a retailer in your neck of the woods. Um, mm. They're based out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, two location retailer, and they just sell products and spots. That's it. Very minimal servicing. And they're super seasonal, right? And I know a lot of retailers can be based on your location in the U.S., Canada, et cetera. So... In the summer months, obviously, they're doing probably close to half a million dollars in sales across both locations, right? And he's using a software specific to the pool and spa industry, which will leave those names out of there as well. But it's something that integrates and helps his business run, which I know is pretty important for a lot of pool and spa retail and service companies out there. Mm-hmm. 
And because it integrated with only one credit card processing company, his first reaction was, I can't switch. Like, I can't do anything. Like, my hands are tied with this one provider. And I said, listen, that's actually not the case. We can definitely take a look at it and see what we can do. So, you know, he sent over some statements. We did a free analysis form. And the savings were, like, close to $6,500 a month. Oh, boy. Um, that he was able to save. So when you do it on an annualized basis, I mean, that's what over almost that's more than $72,000 a year. I mean, that's like hiring, that's like hiring a whole new person if you wanted to, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, he is seasonal, but I mean, it's not to the point where it fluctuates a ton. You know, he goes from half a million dollars in his busy season to maybe like 300,000, you know, 250,000. So um, it's a fairly large retailer. And when you tell someone that you can save them $72,000 a year in just one area of expenses, it's like, if someone wrote you a check for $72,000, would you be upset? Most right. people would say no. Right. And that's essentially what it is because he doesn't have to change anything. Nothing switches in his day-to-day operations. All it is, is, re- you know, renegotiating the contract and going through with a fine tooth comb, all the fees that he's being charged and manipulating them, modifying them and making sure that he's priced right. And that's, that's, I won't even say that that's an outlier. I would say that that's probably middle of the pact um, as far as savings go for pool retailers. Now it obviously is going to depend on the size of your business. Of course. um, And the fees that you pay, right? Like one of the big things for us or, you know, people ask us all the time is like, Hey, you know, my practice only does X, Y, Z sales is that a problem for you? And I always say, no, we're really looking at the fees that you guys are charged. You know, if you're doing, if you're being charged $2,000 in fees or more a month, it's worth your time to look into it because the savings could definitely be relative. And, um, you know, that's a real world example of just finding someone that much money. And again, it's, there's much larger companies that we deal with with much higher savings numbers. But I think that's a really good example of what we're seeing you know, in the pool and spy industry. Is this like a, a one-time thing where you guys come in and work with them one time, you get it fixed and then you, you move on to the next guy or is this kind of an ongoing relationship situation? So for us, because, you know, back to what I originally said, is like these credit card processing companies are going to increase their rates. It's right. a matter of when, right? Not if. And for us, on the initial negotiation and changing the contract that you have, that's a bulk where the savings come from. But moving forward, every single month after that, we actually audit your statements with our own software and we also okay. do it manually. So it's almost like a quality control process. You know, that's some supply chain lingo for you um, <laughs> of, ma- of making sure that the contract that we negotiate on your behalf is still intact and that if the rates do change, increase, are padded, we take care of that for you. You know, we contact your provider, we get them back down to what was originally agreed upon and then mm-hmm. get you guys a refund, you know, or a credit for whatever the processing company try to overcharge you in that given month. And this typically happens like three or four times a year. Did you know that Strong Spas has hot tubs in stock and available now? The company has overstock and recertified hot tubs that are ready to ship. Strong also has the industry's shortest lead times on made-to-order tubs. Strong Spas can put hot tubs in your showroom now. 
filling any holes where there should be floor models or holes in your product offering. You can still diversify your suppliers by adding Strong to your product mix. Strong Spas has expanded its production capacity and, as always, is made in the USA. To become an authorized dealer today, visit strongspas.com dealer. So how do you guys make money then? Do you charge like a flat fee for, or like a monthly fee, or do you do a percentage? What is, what is your, what does your pay structure look like? Yeah. So our business model is we share the savings that we are successfully able to achieve your business. Got it. That is it. So it's, it's all contingency based. We actually have to do the work up front and achieve you savings before we see a penny. And got it. As a business owner, they love it because of course, you get work, absolutely. You, get labor up, <laughs> you get labor up front for free. And only if we actually do the job, do we get paid? Yeah. And um, although it's not the full savings, they don't mind sharing it because it's no you know, skin off their back. It's not sure. Like I mean, it's, it's free money. I feel like as a business owner, nothing irritates you more than like spending money that you don't have to, <laughs> right? right? Like, well, you know, like you got to pay to have your credit cards processed. Fine. That's fine. You're, you're, you can accept that, but there's nothing more infuriating than looking at something and being like, I'm sorry, I've, I spent $72,000 for nothing that I didn't have to. That's, that's infuriating. Yeah, so yes. Please um, take a, in- please take a cut of that money. <laughs> And, you know, some, some business owners are just in shock at some of the savings that we mm-hmm. showcase to them because they're like, I would have no idea that this is even a thing. No. And um, you'd be surprised. Like, there's a lot of business out there, which I understand completely, that, you know, will chase a dime stepping over a dollar. You know, <laughs> I, I use that term because it's like, you really don't know what you don't know. And if you didn't know that there was so much savings, you know, right. that's, that's kind of how it works. Well, and I think the assumption would be that, you know, this is like a highly regulated industry. Like there's a bunch of red tape. I mean, that's how it feels when you're signing up, right? Is that there's all this red tape and all of these things. You kind of feel like it is what it is. You're stuck with whatever you can get and that you don't have any options. I don't think I would have ever realized that any of this could be negotiated or there was any wiggle room. I just would, I just, I just assumed that it's like, you got to take it and it is what it is. From their perspective, they want you to think that because they don't want right. you to question it, right? The less questions, the better for them. And, you know, to be honest, I wouldn't see how business owners would do that, right? Like, I know, like, the rule of thumb is if you're ever doing a quote for someone, like, get three RFPs or three quotes and then compare, you know, something along those lines. Right. But even yeah. still, credit card processing is so complex that even if you kind of know what you're talking about, it's still super difficult to get where you need to be in order to see the savings like this. And I use this example all the time. It's like the cable industries, right? The telecom industries, AT&T, Verizon, Cox, whoever you use. It's like you think you're paying for one thing when you sign up and then six months goes by and you're just paying for a bunch of other fees that you didn't even know existed. And it's like right. if you worked for those companies, you would probably know which fees could be removed, which fees could be modified, et cetera. And that's really where the knowledge comes in that makes us stand out over someone trying to do it on their own. Right. Sure. Having that knowledge of what can be manipulated. What are these fees that that's super helpful. Well, and like you said, the example of, you know, this is the one that integrates with the software I use. And so that's, you know, that, I mean, that's exactly why we switched, right. Is that we needed something that worked with some of the other systems that we already had in place. And there was only one option presented. And so it's like, well, this is just what we're going to do. And fortunately for us, it meant we were spending less money than we were with, with Square. But now I'm like, hmm, I wonder if there's money that we're leaving on the table. 
Sure. And that, that's a good point too, because, you know, a lot of companies will just say, well, I'm just going to switch because the new credit card processing company that's soliciting me is giving me a better deal. Like mm -hmm. here's what the savings are. And I always say that's great because at least you're saving money, but also how much more are you leaving on the table as far mm -hmm. as additional savings? Because these companies, right, they're obviously going to undercut and beat the current pricing that you have, because why else would you make a change unless mm -hmm. it has to do with some type of software integration, right? right? If that wasn't the case, yeah, you're obviously going to go with the less expensive option. But the credit card processor, you know, they have to get, they have to entice you some way to make that change. And if you're already getting a bad deal and the new credit card processing company is still offering you savings, it could still be a bad deal. It's just a little bit better than what you had before when sure. you could still be leaving thousands of dollars still on the table. Right. And that's just something that people have to be aware of when changing, or if you're looking at other providers, it's just something to keep in the back of your mind. So you guys work across a bunch of different industries. How did you start working with hot tub retailers specifically? It's a funny story where I, I honestly didn't know the industry was as big as it was. Um, mm -hmm. I was really ignorant to that point, right? Our main focus uh, when we first started was really like within healthcare um, and e-commerce. And sure. we actually got into the pool and hot tub industry, a small buying group out of Ohio, uh, we were introduced by, and he had actually had, I don't know, maybe 40 hot tub retailers in his little group. And they got together every year to discuss business, what's going on in the industry, how can we get better? And that introduction really put our name onto the scene and, and had the sharp growth in this industry. I know it was only 40 dealers, but they were pretty big dealers and well-known. Mm -hmm. within their area and the savings were so substantial and the members were so appreciative of like, you know, Holy cow, this is actually something that's real money that we're saving. Right. That's what sparked our interest. And then from there, you know, that led to partnerships with one hot tub Alliance, master pools, guild Carecraft, all these groups that right. I'm sure a lot of the retailers are part of. So. Yeah, that's so, that's so interesting. I mean, and I, whenever people start working in, in the hot tub industry or trying to bring a new product to the hot tub industry, I'm like, you just need that one person who says this works. And then you need to shout it from the rooftop because we're <laughs> yeah. like, we're a small industry as far as, as people, you know, everyone kind of knows everybody, but it not that small when it comes to numbers, especially recently. And yeah, we're, we're processing a lot of credit cards around here. And I think it's crazy too, because, you know, with the pandemic and stuff, obviously this industry boomed. You know, everyone's staying right. home, they want a hot tub, they want a pool, et cetera. And I think that's led to um, our success as well, just because the savings numbers have been so big. And I know a lot of people are super busy that they haven't had time to contact us or whatever, because, you know, they're just trying to keep up with the demand. Right. But when you look at it, even with that being said, because you're doing so much sales, the savings are that much bigger. And that's right. just something that, you know, people need to look out for. Yes, this is a very odd time for our industry, right? Like just sales are out of control. People are super busy. But if you go back to the recession or if you go back even to the 2018, 2019, like, you know, either, you know, sales were, were falling or sales were really steady. And so it's like, when you look at your P&L, how are you going to grow, right? You either have to either have to sell more or you have to cut your costs. And here's an area where you can 
don't have to actually cut anything to cut your costs and see your net profit grow. Absolutely. I mean, think about the retailers that can't, or service companies, builders, whatever, that can't find the staff right. to help them, right? Like you hear that a lot in the industry, you know, we can't even find people to work for us. Well, if you can't grow the sales revenue, even though you have a lot of demand because you right. don't have the people to do it, the best way to get better margins is you're right. Cut costs wherever you can. I know, you know, from a staffing shortage, I get it. But if you have an admin, an office manager, someone handling the finances that looks at this stuff, it's an easy way, right? To just, like you said, get better margins and essentially be more profitable. Yeah, exactly. And too, I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, maybe you need maybe what you need in a person you sort of find in these savings. Right. And so maybe you hire another area where you have a easier time finding someone and guess what owner of the business, you're the one who now has the time to go out and do some of the things that you can't hire for. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure anyone's too excited go. about like going out with their delivery team, but Hey, you know what? You never know. We all got, <laughs> yeah. we all do what we got to do. Right. <laughs> so is there anything else that you think spa industry needs to know about, about what you guys do or about just setting up merchant accounts or trying to figure out what yeah. the, the best thing is for them to do? Do you have any, any more advice for retailers before I make you answer the spa retailer five? I would say because we're a new brand within the industry, a lot of people don't even know what we do. You know, right. when they see us at shows or they see us reach out, they think we're just a credit card processing company, which one, we are not a credit card processing company. I couldn't even switch you if you wanted to. And I think the biggest thing is to have people understand that like this is a new concept that's probably never been brought to the industry to just have an open mind when we have the conversation and to then realize that like, no, we're not one of those annoying people soliciting you to change what you have going on at your business that we want to actually keep you where you are with as little change as possible. So that would be my only snippet to the, uh, to the listeners out there. The uh, the spam <laughs> when it comes to credit card right, processing right. is it's pretty out of control. So yeah, I can see that as being a, a barrier that might be hard for you guys to get over. And like, yes, you do not process credit cards. You just make it cheaper for them to process where they already are. <laughs> yes, correct. All right. So are you ready for the spa retailer five? This is how we end all of our interviews. It's not too tough. I think you can handle it. Yeah, uh, let's fire away. All right. So do you remember your first sale, either the customer or the product or what you, what you got them to buy. Do you remember your very first, your very first customer in my life or at MTC? Either way, whatever, what, either one is fine. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. I do remember my first sale at merchant cost consulting. Okay. As far as my life, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it was actually an auto body in my hometown. I, I call it storming castle. I actually drove to his auto body and door knocked and basically introduced myself and the rest was history. And that was like one of the very first things we ever did was really to get word of mouth out there. And it was, uh, I had to go a couple of times, you know, I had to go three or four times before it actually closed, but it was a good learning experience. Yeah, for be. sure. I feel like everyone remembers that first sale, right? And there's always some special challenges around it. <laughs> Yes, hundred percent. He is actually still a client to this day. And I take, you know, I take my car there. He, he does all my mechanic work. So that actually, yeah. that relationship blossomed 
from I was going to say, I was going to say, did he make, did he make you uh, fix your car before he, before he signed up? <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he didn't make me, but he always gives me what I, what he says is discounts. He splits it. Got Whatever it. the cost is, I get half. That was, <laughs> that was our model as well. So. Oh, that's funny. So what was your first real job? I worked at an auto body when I was 16. There you go. So See. that was my, that was my first real job paying taxes, getting a paycheck. That was an experience that, you know, was great. Also a lot of learning lessons in that too. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think I'll ever go back, but I was glad that I did it. Yeah. That's those, those first jobs. They're always, they're good learning experiences, right? You got to start, you got to start somewhere. Absolutely. So do you have, you know, you're still relatively new or newish business. So Maybe you don't have a good example of this, but I like to ask our retailers kind of what is the worst idea that they ever brought to their, to their business. And then on the flip side, what was one of the best ideas they ever brought to their business? And so I'm curious if you have one where it's like, you know, I had this great idea, we tried it and then it just did not work. And then, you know, on the other hand, I thought we'd try this thing and it was even better than we expected. Does that, does something come to mind for those for you? Yeah, the worst idea I think we ever had was going door to door asking people to work with us when we first started out. Like okay. the yeah. the you know, it's worse than a cold call, but literally going up to business owners and introducing ourselves and trying to think that you're gonna gain some good market share. Mm-hmm. Doing that, that's probably one of the worst ideas we did. But again, like anything else, it was a learning experience. Well, um, and that's how you got your very first sale. So, I mean, it's yeah, not like it that, didn't work. <laughs> there was definitely more. It definitely worked, but there was definitely some stories where people were not too happy. And mm. you don't need that confrontation, put it that way. The best idea we ever had was actually, I would probably say, like joining associations or buying groups like that's been a huge way that our business has grown in curating relationships through those partnerships it's obviously great to have people reach out and want to work with you but when you're leveraging some help where you can get your name out there to a lot of people and network that way that was probably the best idea we've ever had which we've seen 85 percent of our revenues is generated through channel partnerships. So that was the bright idea I should say that we had. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's great. Like, you know, when you do have kind of those names behind you, it does give you a a lot of, of credence with people who are in that specific, that specific industry. For sure. So do you have a favorite book or television show or podcast? I mean, it doesn't have to be business related, just something that you tend to, to go back to when you need some entertainment or when you need a break. I'm a big Seinfeld guy. Okay. I, I love watching Seinfeld. Obviously, I'm up to date with a lot of the, you know, more modern shows. You know, obviously, big Game of Thrones fan. Sure. Um, Breaking Bad was one of my favorite oh, fan, uh, so shows. So so good. I do go Wait, back. So to that. have I'm not you? Much of a reader. Have you watched? Have you also watched Better Call Saul then? Because it's about to come out with its last season. I have not seen it yet. I've. I, I've heard it's good. I shouldn't say mixture of views. I've heard it's good. Well, it's definitely, um, it's a different vibe. It's definitely not as like intense, shall we say, as uh, Breaking okay. Bad was. <laughs> yeah. I think that's also why I haven't watched it yet. It's just yeah. because it's, it is a different vibe, I'm sure. But like Breaking Bad was so good that I just don't want it to like, I don't want it to cheat. You don't want to, you don't want to ruin it. 
yeah, I will say it's so better than like one. your average spinoff, you know, like they actually created okay. a new show that's its own thing and it's not like dependent on the other one. Um, for that's instance, good. my mother, who I'm not sure I could ever convince to watch Breaking Bad, loves Bitter Call Saul. So I don't know if that's, I don't know if that like convinces you to watch it or Interesting. not. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's funny. I'll have to give it a spin. I've heard it from multiple people now, you being one of many. So I'm going to have to give it a shot. Right, there you go. Well, on that note, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Where can Hot Tub Retailers find you? They can go to our website, just merchantcostconsulting.com. And there's actually a partners page on our website that you can see the different affiliations that we have. So if you're one of those affiliations or part of them, you can find us, click the links, get more information that way. And um, I mean, the best way to contact me is give up my personal line, which I don't know if you want to share, if, we, if you publish hey, it, man, but my number is seven. It's up to, it's up to you. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but um my number for your listeners is 781-234-4570. If you have questions, if you want to email me, my email is matt, M-A-T-T, at merchantcostconsulting.com. That's the best way to get in contact with us, reach out, whatever is easiest for you. All right, fantastic. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Megan. Thanks for having me. Spa Retailer Podcast is a production of Spa Retailer Magazine. Let us know what you think by leaving a review or emailing us at podcast at spa Thanks for listening.